Welcome to your podcast, Leadership is Tricky, where we'll tackle various topics, challenges, and experiences as it relates to your investment in leadership. So, let's design success together. Now your hosts. Hey, welcome all, and welcome back to Leadership is Tricky. Eric Ocasio here. Uh, we got a special guest today, Eric Collier, uh, who's coming in from uh, uh, coming in with us. He is a motivational speaker. He is a life coach. He is a community uh, man of action. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we had a interview uh, early on in the pandemic and we wanted to redo it. So here we are. Uh, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. And then I have, uh, you know, a, a show regular to Leadership is Tricky. Um, a very special guest, uh, Dr. Stephen Carter. How you doing today, doctor? Hey, I'm doing well. Always a pleasure to be with you. Right. And, you know, for the folks that can't see us, I will post a video at some point. But the folks can't see us, you know, Dr. Carter invested on a new, in a new microphone. So, <laughs> so he is legit today. Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, Mr. Collier. So he is a uh, army veteran. I mean, I'm sorry, a Navy veteran. Um, both. Oh, both. Yeah. That's yeah right. I was army reserve and then went to active duty Navy. Right. So he was a combat engineer in the Army Reserves and then he joined the U.S. Navy um, and he was an aviation boatswain mate and uh, right. a naval intelligence specialist. And, he, you know, he's got about 20 years in the defense intelligence space. Um, and on the side of all of those things, you know, he's a grandfather of six. He yeah. is a family man, uh, married. Um uh, but one of the things that, uh, you know, him and I connect on is, you know, growing up through adversity, uh, doing a lot of work in the community with uh, with youth and, and other other members of the community to get them going. And then, uh, you know, one of his his uh, many talents is is able to inspire, motivate and, and coach, uh, you know, folks, even even in, in you know, my uh, heightened age and, uh, you know, state of disequilibrium. Right. So. Um, yeah, so Eric, you know, I'll turn it over to you, and you know, let's uh, let's start the discussion. Just tell us a little bit about yourself, and you know, how you came up. All right, well, thanks, Eric. Again, it's great to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity to share with you guys today. And I, I'll touch on the first thing you you, you call you mentioned that I'm a pop pop. I am the pop pop of six, right? That is hilarious to me because I always said I would never get married and I wouldn't have any kids, but yet here I am, married. We just went over thirty years. I've got three children, three adult children and, and six grandchildren. So it's a funny thing for me, but I really enjoy it. And as a pop-up, all I do is just feed the beast, whatever the, the grandkids want to do. I just feed it to them until they get tired of it. So, that, so I like that. Right. Congratulations. I am, 30 years of marriage. That's, that's, a, that's an accomplishment all in itself. So, you know, congratulations yeah. on that. Thank you. Thank you very much. And, and it's, so I consider myself a rare breed. You know, I'm, I'm the oldest uh, boy. But, you know, the middle child, but at the point where I reached 11 years old, I ended up being the oldest in the household because my sister had left home. And so my parents split at four and we dealt with it quite a bit. So I consider myself a rare breed because when you look at African-American male being raised by a single mother who works, you know, the, the stats say that you shouldn't you shouldn't come out to be anything. You know, you should probably be on the streets or in jail or whatever. But. You know, that didn't happen for us. Luckily for us, we had family, you know, aunts, uncles who helped to raise us. My dad was still there, but working two or three jobs to take care of, make sure we were taken care of. He wasn't always around. So, you know, my grandfather was my man. That was my dog. That was my go to. That was my first number I ever learned was four, four, six, nine, one, five, zero. 
Hey, man, we, we lost him years ago, but I still remember him and that number, man. So, you know, I, I consider myself a rare breed and simply because of the fact that my mom, she talks about she raised, she had $10,000 raising us that one year, you know, so we, she had to be resourceful in clothes and food and everything else. Yeah, we had the government cheese and that big block of bologna, you know, but, you know, w- w- she made it happen. And later on, the big challenge for me came when my parents remarried and I'm going in, I'm in high school. And so at that time, it was difficult because I was the man of the house. You know, I, I you know, my mom paid the cost to be the boss, as she always said. But, you know, I was always in charge of things when she wasn't around. So dealing with her being remarried and my dad being remarried, finding our place in the household, especially when the two didn't really want us around. And one was going through a drug addiction, alcohol, and and he was domestic violence uh, issues. You know, we it was tough for us, and so we had to find a place. But in that moment, the one thing when everything came to a head, it was both my parents told me, if it comes down to it, the one person that's going to leave is you. Hmm. And so, eventually, you know, on that that day where it finally happened, I found myself thirty miles away in a hotel room living by myself and going to work every night, paying for my hotel room at the end of the week and just trying to figure things out until I finally went into the military. But it's a, it's, it was a tough time for me there. And even in adulthood, some of the different things you go through that you don't expect, you know, you always say, well, I want to do this. I'm going to do that. But at one point we talk about, you know, being a family man, right? You've got, a certain age and the mindset is when you get a certain age your job is to get a job with good benefits and work 40 hours a week until you retire 60. if you have kids your job is to take care of those kids once they grow up and leave the house then you can do what you want to do and so that's pretty much where your my mindset was at least and i wasn't dreaming i wasn't doing anything and it all changed one day when a man stood in front of me and he said what have you done in the last five years to get closer to your goals? And it was boom, right then. Nothing, right? I didn't have any goals. I didn't have any dreams. I didn't have any vision. I didn't have anything. All I was doing was on this daily grind, this hamster wheel every day. Yeah, so and I consider myself being a dead man walking at that time. Now, it's interesting because, uh, you know, um, I can look back and, and attest to, you know, growing up in an environment where there was, you know, drug addiction, there was alcoholism. Um, Not a lot of resources around you. Right. And, you know, not a lot of positive figures right around you that you can emulate and uh, and rely on. And then, you know, that fractured home, you know, at some point, too, that, you know, especially as a a male, um, you know, most most kids end up staying mom. Right. That's typically how it is. And then you're looking around for that for that male role model. Right. And um, yeah, you know, I can attest to that. And Uh, Similar to you, you know, at some point you make that decision because you don't know what the next step is going to be. And, well, I joined the military. Right. Because I just didn't have that that self-discipline. And um, I didn't know how to um, move forward. Right. And and and, you know, where where was my life going to go? Right. And um, similar to you, you know, you always have that one person that comes in your life and kind of you know, that click happens and you're like, okay, now I need to get in order. Right. Um, right. Yeah. What, what about you, Dr. Carter? What are your thoughts? <clears throat> well, it sounds as if we all have a uh, similar background. Uh, 
you know, my grandmother, you know, was my rock, you know, and that's who kind of kept me straight. But I, I will tell you that uh, environment absolutely shapes who you are. You know, I, I, I always go back to a quote I heard from Magic Johnson uh, that really inspired me. He said, uh, I came from the hood, but my dreams were not of the hood. Right. Mm. Uh, so that was something that really inspired me. And I was very fortunate, like both of you, to go into the military and uh, and meet men that helped me truly assess my self-worth because I, that was something I could not do right. on my own. I, I did not have the means nor the metrics to assess my self-worth. That was the key that was missing. And once I, 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 I had these influences, and opportunities, um, it, it changed everything. Because, like you, Eric, uh, Eric Collier, that is, um, I was, hey, I was dead man walking. I was just working. Matter of fact, matter of fact, it had gotten so bad I had more month at the end of my money. <laughs> right. I was, uh, yeah, paid on the first, broke on the third. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so I, I, I know this story all too well. You know, I, I lived it. You know, so yeah. it sounds like like each of us have a, a, a foot in the same shoe. Right. Um, but man, I, I just I'm fortunate. I'm, I'm I'm fortunate. You know, by the grace of God and 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 people who have who have uh, transitioned in and out of my life. You know, if you are still around, uh, but those who have transitioned in and out of my life, just I I'm, I'm just thankful. Right. Because I, I know where I, I should have been. Right. And that's the thing. Because I know where I grew up. I know where I should have been. Right. But where I'm at now is a completely different space. Uh, much, yeah. much different. Uh, yeah, I don't know about you guys, right? But, uh, you know, there's a lot of folks that, to your point, because you just said that come in and out of your life, right? And, uh, you know, I don't believe in this work-life balance and, you know, all these other things. I think about integrated life. Right. So as people come in and out when I need them throughout life, you know, I can go back and, um, you know, I can count them on one hand. Those people that help lead me. Right. Not so much uh, people in positions of authority, but, you know, those people that could help lead me, inspire me, motivate me, share their experience with me without belittling me to get to a place of, of you know, to your point, Eric, you know, goals and um, understanding your purpose. So, but I did want to go back to you and I just wanted to jump in there because I know our, all our stories are, you know, you know, very similar, um, you know, in, in, in our humble beginnings. Right. But then to see where we're at, you know, that's what we're trying to, you know, tease out. So yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'll go back to you. You know, I know you were, you know, you met someone and they helped you kind of shape your goals and then, you know, what, what happened from there? Yeah. It basically, it basically turned my whole life around. Like I said, it, it introduced me to, Person development. That's when I first start, learned about Les Brown, and and with that, Tony Robbins, Brian Tracy, and and I'm sorry, I always mess one up. But those individuals, Jim Rohn, I always oh, I, I listen to those individuals. I actually stopped listening to the radio and I would listen to cassette tapes. That tells you how long it was, right? <laughs> but I thought you were going to say eight tracks to. there for a second. But all right, <laughs> we'll take cassette tapes. <laughs> but yeah, I started listening to that, and that's and that's just ch changed the game for me, man. And then when I got to meet Les Brown in person after my mom actually gave me his book, which was funny. I, she said, I was, I've always listened to Zig Ziglar and here's Les Brown's book. I'm like, wait a minute. Wh why didn't you introduce me to this then? But I, I would go back to that discussion. If I'm not ready to eat, no matter if you put the food on the table, it's just going to sit there. Right. 
But yeah, so I got a chance to meet Les Brown. And it was at that moment, man, when he told me you have greatness in you, it was a wrap for me. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And that's led to me motivational speaking. And so, but it's, it's a transformation, right? We are stuck. Like you said, we are of our environment. The mindset that we grew up with, the mindset that we watched those who grow, who, 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 excuse me, taught us, right? That we learn from. That's the mindset we live in sometimes. Even if we try our best to not live in that, we tend to take on some of those behaviors and attitudes. And that's mindset of understanding that there was more in me outside of my just being an athletic individual, right? More than me that could reach, can connect with other people, right? I consider myself now a, a coach, a mentor, and a farmer, right? Because my ability to speak, my ability to connect with people gives me the opportunity to talk with them, teach, and actually lead plant seeds of change in them even when they're not ready. So I like, I enjoy that part of it. And we go back to people trans, you know, transitioning or, or coming in and out of our lives. Well, I look at it as now as I'm connecting the pieces of my life's puzzle, right? And in that, I'm connecting with different people. And when I connect with them, whether it's positive or negative, I'm learning something from them to move forward in life. And so that's the way I see things now. But this transition to motivational speaking, 2004 is when I told a buddy of mine, we're sitting in the office space. This is what I want to do. And it didn't start until 2016 because of that mindset, overcoming that that lack of, of, of belief in yourself, that lack of confidence, that those limited liabilities that we put on ourselves. Well, hey, because I came from this background, I can only accomplish just a little bit more maybe of what my parents accomplished. Or because of where I look, I'm definitely not going to be president of the United States, right? Or simply because of my income, I, cannot, I can't connect with those individuals. They'll never talk to me. And so that changed, changed the game on me once I realized, man, you got to just get out there and do it, talk to people. And when I found that the messages that I was delivering was connecting with people who were of higher education and, and, and more money, making more money than I was, man, that's that to me. That hit my heart and said, hey, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Carter and I, we talk about it all the time is, is that taking that leap, right, and believing in yourself, right, betting on yourself and going out and doing it, right? There's so many, I will tell you when I was younger, there was so many times where I had all these ideas of things that I wanted to do but didn't think that I was good enough to do them, right? right. Or I wouldn't be accepted, right? Um, and I want to say it was... Uh, 2007 ish. Yeah, it was around that time frame. Um, you know, I was deployed, uh, met a buddy of mine. His name's Derek. Um, and, you know, Dr. Carter knows Derek as well. He's got 10 years on me. Right. And one day, uh, you know, he saw me going down a, 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 a path that, you know, wasn't conducive to, you know, uh, who, who, who he thought I was. So he pulled me aside and said, hey, look, I see you going down a path. I've seen it. I've done it. I've lived it. Um, you're going to stick with me. So you're going to get up at this time. You're going you gonna to feed your body. Right. We're going to go to the gym. You know, we're going to spend some time. We're going to feed your mind. You know, we would have, you know, our sessions. And then um, and then on the other side of it, you know, he's like, you're going to enroll in school. Right. You are going to go get your education. You're going to finish your degree. This is what you're going to do. Right. Um, set me on a course, you know, that just my trajectory just took off from there. Right. Because I started to believe in myself. And as I was having these um, these interactions with other folks, I just saw these are people just like me. 
doesn't matter what status right. they are, where, where they sit in society, um, you know, uh, where they sit in an organization, um, you know, what is the, the perceived right or what does right look like? Right. Right. Um, but you know, it took, it took those, that moment. And then from there, you know, I met other folks, um, that I took on as mentors that have already been there. And I'm going to tell you all my mentors, um, no, I'm going to say all of them, but 90% of my mentors are, um, in, in three buckets. One is my career, you know, professionalism, and then just how to be a man. Right. Um, you know, cause, um, you know, me and Dr. Carter talking about time and, you know, Dr. Carter's got a couple years on me as well. But, uh, you know, we learn from each other every day. Uh, we right. have we have some deep conversations and um, yeah, it's important. You know, it's important to one, find your purpose and right. then, you know, find who you are and believe in yourself that you have more to offer um, than you think you do. And that's uh, the power of encouragement. Right. Um, right. Goes a long way. Um, yeah, what what yeah. are your thoughts, Dr. Carter? You know, I really like the uh, the platform that you both are building right now. And I just want to just add another stair step to this. Um, you know, I I, um, I was at a critical point in my life. I, I, I thought I knew what I was doing. And so a good friend of mine said, hey, let's go to the cigar bar. I said, OK, that's a good idea. I like cigars. You like cigars. Let's just do this. So, you know, we were smoking some cigars. And he said to me, he said, hey, man, what are you doing? I said, man, I'm sitting here with you having a cigar. He said, no, man. What are you doing? Right. I said, um, man, you know, I just retired out of the military. I'm going to get a job. He said, no. What are you doing? Mm. And when he said it that third time, I said, man, I'm not doing anything. Right. He, said, he said, that's the problem I have with you right now. And what that did for me was it, 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 it recalibrated what I need to do. I was already working in the communities. I was already doing volunteer work. But what, what, what he focused me on is how are you giving back? Right. Look at the metrics of what you're giving and the impact that it's making and know when to recalibrate and where to adjust your focus. And now let, let me offer a, an example of that. Um, I had started working uh, at the University of Phoenix. I was teaching graduate level business. And I said, this is great. It's my opportunity to give back. And the school lost the contract with the government. So I said, ah, I'm good. I'm good. I, I did it. I did what I was supposed to do. But based on what he said, I said, you know what? I'm going to go apply at another school. As a matter of fact, I'm going to pursue my doctorate at the same time. Wow. So, And then I talked to another mentor and I said, hey, man, what should I do? What should I do? He said, first and foremost, be who you say you are. Mm. And I said, huh? He said, let me say it to you one more time. Mm -hmm. Be who you say you are. He said, if you are a man of integrity, then have integrity. If you are a man of honor, then be honorable. Be who you say you are. If you say you give back, then there are no days off. You give back. And so I pursued my doctorate and I changed and I started working for a different school to impact more students to help them get where I am because somebody sacrificed so that I could take the courses I needed to get to the point to where I was at. So now it was my turn to do that for others. So that's, so that's how I, I put together, how I tethered all of what was said. Yeah, that's, that's a good, that's, that's a good, good. segue into uh, Eric. I know you're, you're, 
your your whole purpose, right, is to just keep pushing, right? Yeah. So so walk me through because uh, you had mentioned it earlier, right? Adversity, right? You you were laid right. off. Talk me through that time and then how you got to just keep pushing. Man, you know it's funny. It came up late in life, but it's something I've done throughout life, man. That's all we've ever done is adapt, adjust, and overcome. When you go back to growing up, but it really came into play my ability to be able to do that when I was laid off. November 26, 2013, I'm going into work. It's my last day of work on this contract. I'm thinking, no problem. My contract, this company, this new company needs me in this position because I'm the only one doing the job, right? I had talked to my manager. It's all set up. I gave him my resume. We good. So I'm walking out. I'm getting a, a little money on the way out the door. So I'm thinking, I'm going to come back with a raise. I got a little bonus. I'm good. So November 26, 2013 was the cutoff. I'm out. No job. And I'm telling my wife, we're going to be all right. A month passed. We didn't have a job. Another month passed. We didn't have a job. Then all of a sudden, I start getting these interviews. Well, as, as I start getting these interviews, all these bills have been piling up still, even though, right? And they start telling me, we'll give you a job. They go, oh, I'll give you a job because your bills are behind. You know, the environment we work in. I can't get you in the building. So eventually, man, it goes out to 11 months, two weeks that I was off from my uh, having a, a full-time employment. Now you're talking about a, a six-figure income and I'm running the household, right? And that's dropped, that's gone. We were struggling. I was working a part-time job and I was doing, I worked at UPS as well. I did whatever I could to make things happen, but getting a full-time job was difficult. So in that, I had to go here, man, because emotionally it was tough. You think about it, you the, you the, you the man of the household. That's how I grew up, right? I'm the man of the household. That's my responsibility to make sure everything is taken care of. I have my wife on the other hand. She's sitting there. He's like, look, these bills piling up. We need to get it paid. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Let the house go. Let this go. Let's go. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're not letting nothing go. We're keeping with this. But emotionally, man, being told no after no after no and then coming home and looking at my wife, well, I'm just going to keep putting my resume in, keep her pumped up, you know, about this whole thing. It was a difficult time for me. So I had to go. I had to go deep in here and dig deep in here, man. And with that, I started telling myself, hey, look, we don't give up here. We're just going to keep pushing. Just keep pushing. Just keep pushing. Because when you just keep pushing, man, that means you didn't give up on yourself. That means you got an opportunity to get better. Right. That means you got an opportunity to keep fighting. I, I go to this when you talk about fighting. 2014, I'm watching Timothy Bradley and Ruslan Pavlovich in a championship bout. Timothy Bradley gets pounded for three three rounds. They're talking about you should stop the fight. I can't believe it. It's still going. The next eight rounds out of nine, he won. So this is why you just keep pushing because you keep yourself in the game. And that's what I do is just keep pushing and give myself an opportunity. And eventually, like I said, I got the job and I worked for five months and was laid off again. And I had to go through the same process. But eventually, three months after that, I got got the job and I've been back at work since then. But it's a process where I look at it as it's something that happened for me because I had to go through that. There was something in me that had to learn how to dig a little bit deeper and to come in touch with myself. You know, what, I, what I'm able to do. They say adversity introduces a man to who he is. And so that's what I realized, man, you're a lot stronger than what you've been. 
you know, you were a strong-minded individual then, but dude, you're a strong-minded individual now. And so that mindset, just keep pushing every day. I know I got an opportunity to get better. I'm breathing. It's my shot. Let's go. And yeah, so, so it's interesting you said the, the second part, too, because you said, that, you know, you went back to work. Right. So through all this 11 months of turmoil. Right. And, you know, the stress and, you know, you don't know when the when the when the next check is going to come. And, you know, the family's looking at you. They depending on you. Right. You the safety net, um, you know, and then five months later, um, you know, you're laid off again. But, what yeah. you know, what, what was interesting because you didn't talk about you know going back into that depth again because you knew that hey i just went through it i know i'm gonna pull myself out i know how to do it now and you know um a couple weeks ago i think it was a couple weeks ago everything's moving so quickly now but you know i was teaching a um a leadership um just a leadership professional development thing i was doing for my folks at work and it's talking about levels of disequilibrium right how things get introduced into our lives where puts us in a heightened state of disequilibrium or chaos and puts us in a danger area, right? And then over time, if you stay there too long, you fight, you flee, you freeze, right? And you know, one of the things that um, I've 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 learned in my life because I grew up in adversity, right? You know, I didn't have the option of the fight, flee, or freeze, right? I just had to live through it. And then you know, then I finally get something better, which takes me out of there, and nothing really phases me. My wife says I'm emotionless. Um, you know, a lot of folks are, you know, they, I don't get rattled. I'm, I'm, I'm very even keel all the time. It's because ain't much that can take me back into that place because I didn't live through it. Right. I've learned from it. My status quo and my comfort zone is a lot higher than um, than most. Right. So for you, if you were to let, get laid off today, your comfort level and, and status quo right between that and the danger area is very slim to none because you've lived through that experience. So it's just interesting that I picked that up when you said, you know, you got laid off um, after five months and then you were like, you know, it was kind of like a, you know, like, like water off a duck's back and I'm back to it. You know, it's, it's people go through it. People go through different levels and challenges, adversity. The question is how you respond, right? How do you respond? So if you're willing to go at home and, whine and cry and just lay on the bed and oh my god this is happening to me man you'll never come out of it you'll never learn the the lesson in it and i when i went through that 11 months i had a co-worker she, you know she's my buddy she we, we were talking and she said oh you're finally back to work and i said yeah she said man was it tough so i explained to her everything that was going through lose almost losing the house we got bills coming in, lights getting turned off, water getting turned off, all these different things. And she said, Eric, I would have never known. She said, because you never said anything. You were always in here happy, smiling, doing your thing. That's how I operate, man. That's how I operate. It's just I don't have time to whine, cry, and complain to anybody. I got to get things done, and I got to focus on what I need to do. And if I'm whining and crying, what happens? I see you in the hallway, and what you going to do? You're going to turn around. Oh, here he comes again with that. I don't want to be that person. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, one of the, the other things that I, I had picked up too when I was uh, doing some of my research is that you, you 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 go by a phrase that says "commit to living a larger life." What do you mean by that? Man, you know, I that phrase was something that came into play through my training with Les Brown. I never used that phrase until after I talked with him and show and explained my situation, my life story to him. And he said, man, thank you for committing to living a larger life. And I'm like, boom, I like that. Because that's basically where I've been 
all of my life. You know, growing up, my dream was to play professional sports. You know, it was everything at first. And then as I got to high school, it was all about baseball. But when that dream went away, that's when the dreams went away, right? So, but I've always wanted to do a little bit better. Even when I was a combat engineer in the Army, I knew I didn't want to be a combat engineer, right? So I went to the Navy active, active duty. I wanted something that was going to give me a future career where I was making money to be able to take care of my family. And that's when I crossed into intelligence specialists for that opportunity. And then I came up here to DC and I see people who look like me living in 250, $300,000 houses where, where, I, and where I grew up, that was across the water and they were, they were doctors and lawyers. Right. So I didn't see that. And so in that, there was like, okay, this is where I want to be, but getting caught up in your daily grind. Hey, you got to get, get these kids taken care of. You're volunteering your time for kids events. You're volunteering your time everywhere else. Social, social, um, sessions of where you're meeting and barbecuing and everything else, social events. And you lose track of who you are, why you're here, where you're going. And if my, my, I tell people all the time, the one thing I didn't realize was what sports taught me, you know, the leadership, the communication, the drive to get better, those things, never quitting, never giving up. I forgot about all of those things. And I just got focused on what I thought I was supposed to do with what everybody was beating me down with. You should be focused on this family, getting, getting raised and do what you got to do. So, we get lost in that, and we got to remember that the connection starts with us first. And being committed to a live a larger life is about growth and development, right? Growing and developing that mind. Once you stop growing and developing your mind, you stay stuck where you are. Muhammad Ali says, a man who views the world at 50, the same that he did at 25, wasted 25 years of his life. And that, and even you go to Benjamin Franklin, where he talks about people dying at 25 and waiting to be buried at 75. Right. We lose track of us and the dreams, the visions that drive us. I coach people and I ask them, I said, well, what is your goal in life? What are you trying to accomplish? I don't know. I don't have any goals, but I understand that because that's where I was. And when you don't have anything to drive you, scripture tells you if you don't have a vision, you perish. Right. That vision is what drives you. You have that dream that creates that vision that creates those goals to, to, to accomplish all of that. Like I said, that puzzle, that life puzzle that you're trying to create all starts right here. And once you see it in here, then you go out and start connecting and start collecting the pieces to put it together. So that's where that commitment to living a larger life comes from. Hey, what are your thoughts on that, Dr. Carter? Man, I tell you, that is a lot to unpack. I tell you what, uh, the both of you have some incredible stories, but um uh, what I want to tell you is what I heard, what I took away from that was resiliency. And, and, the, and the key to the resiliency that you both had was you, perhaps unlike some, you understood your capacity. You may not have had the goals. You may not have had the answers, but you always understood that you had the capacity to do more. Uh, now, whether that more materialized at that moment, now that, that was something different. And, and, and Eric, I think you really highlighted that, you know, with, by being unemployed and working for UPS. But but there are many out there who suffer from this social Stockholm syndrome to where they've been beaten down by life. <laughs> and, and, and they are they feel subject to what they have experienced and that life will not give them any more than what they have experienced. They continue to take the beat down. So they accept 
life's beat down, life's bumps and blows, they accept that as the norm, as the usual, as the acceptable. Whereas uh, both of you gentlemen, you looked at that as just a part of the process. Right. You know, you walked barefoot on rocks until you got to smooth pavement. I understand that. I, I've been there as well. And there are many that are uh, that are troubled and going through that now. So the fact that the, the three of us are, are, are somewhere along that rocky path for for many others to help them s go through that process and find that smooth pavement to continue their life's journey. Uh, I think says says a lot about both of you, but the the the, the struggle is hard, and and it's often difficult to help someone in the box see what's on the outside of the box. Right. It, it's hard to see beyond the walls of the inside of the box. So uh, it's it's almost like uh, I say we have to take the Steph Curry approach. We have to just somehow get another look at the basket, and and I think that's our role in life to help people get get a different look at the basket because remember the goal hasn't changed right the basket is still in the same place right. and there's one on both ends of the court all you need sometimes is just a different look at the basket right and i say i asked that question you know whoa you know we all know we need a big life change but even when you know you need a big life change what kicks off that big life change especially when you're caught up in your daily grind and you don't have a clue as to where to get started or believe in the possibility that it even happens for you, right? So that's that's where you got to take that assessment and look at yourself, man. And that's something that we don't always get a chance to do because we're so caught up in going to work as daily routine that hamster wheel of life and five, 10, 15 years passes. And we're like, well, what have I done? Got you know? old. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was. Uh, how many times? That's about it. Just got old. <laughs> got old exactly. Right? Hey, look, we You're still in the same position. Yeah, still in the same position. Still making the same money. You haven't done anything different. You know, you, I laugh. I tell people all the time. I don't like it when I go home because when people when I go home and I talk to people who haven't left home, who haven't done anything, I love them to death. But the only thing they can talk to me about is. What was done in high school and what was done, you know, they're not doing anything. So, you know, it's really challenging to get people to believe that, man, you can accomplish so much more if you just put some work into it. Yeah, just keep pushing. Right. And, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, uh, was really profound for me is um, I was at Harvard, uh, but I was thinking about, you know, uh, you know, what have I done up to this point? Um which, you know, when you do some reflection, it was a whole lot. But, you know, a lot of people don't take a lot of time for reflection, to your point. You know, we get stuck in the day to day. And uh, somebody told me that uh, you need to live your purpose or you'll always live someone else's purpose. Mm. Right. So I said, well, what does that mean? So I sat down with the professor and we, we talked through it all. Right. And it comes down to, um, you know, what is your biggest fear? You know, um, when when you take a look at. um your life, you know, the last final moments, um, you know, when you look back on it, are you going to go away with regrets? Um, mm -hmm. You know, and when, you know, you, your, your loved ones and, and those closest to you, um, you know, were you present? Um, you know, did you maximize every day with them? Um, did you maximize every, every, every moment that you had on this earth? 
you know, and then could you answer the question in those final moments of why were you here or why are you here? Um, so that's one of the things that I always tell folks is take time for reflection, right? Yeah. Do that self-assessment, live your purpose. Cause truly you're going to, you know, the, the, the society is going to chew you up and spit you out and they're in the organizations that we work for are going to take everything they can from us. Right. Because we are a number on a spreadsheet, you know, helping some type of bottom line, but you know, we can get what we want out of it. If we can inspire, motivate or touch someone around us um, and make their lives better from a leadership perspective or even even from a you know spiritual perspective or, you know, just man to man. Right. Uh, you know, just this conversation we're having here, I'm learning so much from, from both you gentlemen, um, Sorry. you know, but if we can, if we can find our purpose and, and do that reflection that, you know, at the end of the day, we can, you know, walk away from this world knowing that we, we had a large impact and, you know, we committed to living a larger life. Right. Yeah. Uh, and just cause we kept it pushing, but Hey, so hey, I just want to oh, touch ahead. on something mm-hmm. you move forward. You talk about that, that day when we're on our deathbed. Man, I'm gonna give you something that just whew, really brought my brought some things to relight that you gotta be serious because tomorrow's not promised to you. I have a uh, on the March 23rd, I was getting these phone calls from my dad worrying about what was going on with me. And, you know, everything was cool my way. But I didn't really you know, I forgot that, you know, I have a cousin who's named Eric Collier, right? And so come to find out he passed from COVID. So imagine looking at the obituary and you see Eric Collier pass away, right? Now imagine having the same birth date as your cousin, right? So March 11th, he's 72, I'm 69, but still that right there says, man, that could be you, man. Are you ready to go yet? Are you done? You still have more to do. And so that is a driver to me. You know, you will miss him. You know, you hate to see him go, but that's a reality check right there that that one day they're going to be putting that dash in between the dates that you live. And what are you going to do in that dash? Yeah, that's, you know, that's one of the things that uh, I, I do talk about a lot. Uh, and I've said it on this podcast, too, is at the end of the day, you know, a lot of things filled that dash. Right. And how are people going to unpack that and, and, and how are they going to remember you? Um, mm-hmm. you know, and for me, I just want to make sure that I've lived my purpose, not as to serve, right. That's to serve my family, my community, those around me and make sure that I have a, a, an impact and, you know, left it a little bit better than I got it. So, Hey, yeah. so, um, r- w- what I'd like to do is, uh, just because we're coming up on time here is uh, I did want to highlight, um, your, your website, um, which was, um, www, the number one momentum shift.com. Um, and then I also want to thank you and Dr. Carter for coming on with me today here on Leadership is Tricky. Um, I think what, what what I'd like to do is maybe we'll pick out a couple topics, Eric, and then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll make a couple separate episodes about those, you know, to very, really, you know, deep dive and use your your uh, your wisdom and motivational speaking. And I think I heard right. you say you were 69. No, 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 no. I was born in 69. Oh, man, I was about to say, I was like, man, you age well. I was gonna say, I know, man. Look at, look at. You can't put age on him. You can't put those numbers on him. <laughs> no, no. He, was, I was born in '69. <laughs> All right. No, but we're here. Uh, you know, leadership is tricky. We're here in season two. Um, you know, we're we're getting back into a space of uh, you know working on some sponsorship, um, and you know we're we're working on you know kind of our way ahead. You know, we have a lot of episodes that we've uh, 
we, we've gotten the shoot in the queue. Um, just got to make some time, you know, between me moving and, you know, a new job and all these other things, uh, competing priorities to get the content out to the people. But for those return listeners, I want to thank you. Um, you know, you can find our episodes on all of the major podcast outlets, you know, uh, leadership is tricky.com. Um, you can leave uh, notes or topics as well on the contact us page. Um, or you can just send me an email at Eric at leadership is tricky.com. Um, yeah. So Eric, you know, I'll leave you with any final thoughts that you, you, you want to leave for the audience and then uh, we'll go ahead and close it out. Yeah. I just, that commitment to living a larger life, that's huge. Take that assessment, understand where you are this, this, at this time in your life towards accomplishing your goals. And if you can truly say that you don't have any goals, then at that moment, you got to commit to living a larger life and start going to work on this mindset that says that you can't accomplish those things that says that you're not good enough because you are and you can. So with that, I'll leave you with just keep pushing no matter what you're going through. Just keep pushing because nobody else is going to do it for you. And the last thing I want to leave you with is the website. You know, I, I mentor and coach high school students. We have a nonprofit. It's called the Tobano group dot com or excuse me, the, the Tobano group dot org. All right. Yeah. So what I'll do is I'll make sure I uh, leave that at the bottom of the episode. But uh, we have one momentum dot com. And then we also have the Tabana group dot org. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And thank you, guys. I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you all. And I've learned quite a bit from the both of you. And I love the fact that the success that you have with Leadership is Tricky is still going on, man. And I look forward to uh, more episodes. All right. Thank you for your time. And then, Dr. Carter, thank you for uh, coming on board with us. And uh, did you have any parting thoughts as well? Uh, I'm going to leave Eric with the last word. I, I think he summed it all. I think he said it best. All right. <laughs> all right, folks. Hey, thanks for uh, uh, tuning in to Leadership is Tricky Season 2. And uh, Eric Collier uh, came on and gave us some nuggets, uh, you know, uh, that we can chew on. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be happy to have you back on and uh, uh, enjoy the day and be safe out there with everything that's going on. Hey, thanks. Look forward to the same to you. All right.